When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Shamrock, Pete Sampson, atop Notre Dame Stadium with Matt Fortuna after Notre Dame's 35-14, just whipping Not of Clemson. Um, a field stormy at the end. I appreciate all the uh, loyal Shamrock listeners screaming at me down there. Oh, really? uh, yeah, there was Wait, I was by the Clemson <laughs> side. I didn't get too much love no, there was over there. <laughs> we had some very, uh, very fired up listeners down there who were said they were looking forward to the show so here well, you they're here you have a shamrock it. bump in their life this week yeah. clearly that's that's like what Notre, I'm Notre Dame Stadium got a shamrock bump from the sellout after we talked about how it wasn't sold out and awesome atmosphere tonight um you know the field storming of two years ago was cool uh within the context of the times we we're living this felt like just a purely authentic joyous cathartic whatever you term you want to use um you know, it was, it was sort of the moment to me, I think, that, you know, you felt like, all right, this is this is going to work with Marcus Freeman. Um, whereas Syracuse, BYU, North Carolina, it was more like this could work sure. with Marcus Freeman. So uh, a huge, huge proof of concept night for Notre Dame football with Marcus Freeman. A win so big. That the fact that Brian Kelly beat Nick Saban did not even matter. It barely registered with anyone around here. The only way that that could have been a crazier scene is if they they put the overtime. And we joked about this, I think, uh, on a previous show recently about how we watched LSU Alabama in overtime like yeah. ten years ago at Wake Forest. Uh, the only thing that could have made that funnier this night funnier and crazier would be if they put it on the video board with eighty thousand screaming mm-hmm. fans on the field. Great atmosphere, awesome just day and night all around. Um, to your point, Pete, like it was. Um, Cathartic's one way to put it. Uh, I would say game changer, and I don't think I'm overstating matters. Like I just, I'm trying not to be a prisoner of the moment. But as I just get up here from post game interviews, it's hard not to think like my entire view and outlook of Notre Dame football under Marcus Freeman, even Notre Dame football in the year 2022, as we watch their next last good opponent on TV above us right here, USC, has completely changed. Like it yep. just, uh, he needed this. Everyone needed it. It was done in such a dominant fashion and such a, a happy-go-lucky environment that you know you, you can't come out of here and not feel great about the direction of things. And again, you know, reality will settle in, and and there will be some things to pick apart with. But it, it was crazy. I mean, I think at some point midway through the game, when it was clear Notre Dame was going to win this, and like they were just the physically better team, I, I, I said to you, like, yeah, I crossed my mind on the drive in, like if it's a close game and they win a big one, do you think they would field storm? Because this isn't the number one team, right? But they did do it in 2020. Um, I don't think I've, I mean, when's I, I've not been here for a field storm. Uh, Utah, so this right. is this Bush, is, Bush, like, I mean, what's. Bush Bush was sort of Utah in 2010. And like tonight was, if you could have the love child of Clemson 2020, double mm-hmm. overtime, and Utah 2010 with Brian Kelly, that's what tonight was because it, Utah is really a sneaky, significant win in like modern Notre Dame history because at that point you're like, whoa, uh, 
Brian Kelly might not have it, and the program was in a very, very, like, very dark spot, uh, much worse than losing to Marshall and Stanford. And that let a foundation be put down for what the next 12 or 11 and a half years would be, including making it to the playoff twice, playing for the national championship once. And so I feel like tonight, you know, I'm not predicting that it will, but this will be the night that we will all look back on and say, like, this is when Marcus Freeman showed he had the chops to do it, whether that, you know, was working over the officials, whether that was the fact that they blocked a punt for a touchdown when everyone knew they were going to try to do it, Um, whether it was sticking to the run game and, you know, not falling victim to like, all right, we can change it up here and do something creative and, um, you know, try to pass the ball. Um, you know, the the offensive line developing throughout the course of the season. I thought, like, the interior line I was not confident would hold the point of attack against Tyler Davis and Brian Brissy, Uh And they did excellent work tonight. Um, or, or just, like, hey, the, the way Notre Dame's front seven, like, how many big plays right. or shoddy tackling have we seen? None of that tonight. Um, I thought that they rallied to the ball incredibly well especially in the first half so i thought they they were more physical than clemson Uh, i thought they whipped them in the lines i thought they had more energy than clemson um and man if clemson you i just don't know how dappy sony Mm -hmm. could come away from tonight and not be like what are we doing like because there was a lot of moments tonight where just like you're getting out coached tonight but clearly you were also out prepared especially off a bye week i mean that that was that was a shocking performance from Clemson, which Dabo Sweeney mentioned sort of in the, almost those exact words. Yeah, the, the post guy went to Clemson for post game, and certainly, you know, your, your takeaway while watching this game and, and as you take a step back from this game, college football, from a college football standpoint, is holy cow, the ACC stinks. Like Clemson literally clinched the Atlantic title today by virtue of. <laughs> Syracuse's loss. They get they've, Notre Dame has now won twenty seven straight games yeah. in the regular season against the ACC. It, it's unbelievable, and, and and you know Wes Goodwin, the defense coordinator for Clemson, came out first for interviews, and um, you know he he was obviously very humbled and um, said, "Look, our goal is every year to win the division, win the league, win the state, and that's still, still in front of us. Control, we can control. Yada yada yada. You expect to hear that? That's coach speak. Dabo came in, and it was almost a conciliatory tone. Like, he just went on and on. It was a very great press conference. Like, usually, you, you, losing coach is not going to be pleasant to be around. He's right. going to be snippy. This was, like, basically, like, <clears throat> I'm going to lay down here and you guys can sit. Like, he must have said 10 different versions of this one's on me. Don't get mad at our players. This is on me. I thought I had this team prepared. I obviously didn't. Uh, he said, you know, in 14 years as a head coach, this is one of the most disappointing days I've ever had. Uh you name it. Like, nothing that we didn't see with our own two eyes, but to hear it from the horse's mouth and yeah. to hear it from that guy, you know, a guy who's been there and done that. Um, you know, he, he could not say enough good things about Marcus Freeman and the way Notre Dame was prepared. Um, you know, he called it an ass-kicking. He said, we got our tails kicked. He said, um, you know, a, a million different versions of, of, of you know, how how surprised and disappointing he was. Because he, he said, yeah. especially after, he said, he goes, I wish I could have seen this coming, and I didn't. Yeah, like this was like so we like had a great after practice. After a week off? After like, a week off, we had a great week of practice. Um, and I, I asked him point blank, like, you know, you, you've mentioned you've lost games before. I'm not sure you've lost too many like this where, like, 
hey, we lost on a field goal at the end and yeah. to stay or whatever. Well, I mean, Notre Dame here two years ago, right? Right, right. but even then, they, you know, they obviously bounced back from that one pretty good yeah. that year, and there's not going to be that opportunity to do that this year, I don't think, as far as getting into the playoff, but um, – he just said it was asking or plain simple. Like he's just like, yes, to your point, yeah, you don't just go in there and, and say if one not for one or two plays. Um, and you know, just being on the sideline and, and seeing the post game, you know, a couple of people I'm friendly with on staff, I just said, Hey, like in your worst nightmare, could you have pictured tonight happening? And they they all to a man said no. Like no. they thought we could have lost this game if Notre Dame played really well. And look, Notre Dame blocks the punt early, the way they've been doing it pretty much every week lately. And Everyone in this building, everyone who's watching this game, especially us, are thinking, this is Notre Dame's path to a win. You've right. got to do something non-offensive. And, and to Dabo's point, he brings up at the end, he goes, I don't think I've ever been in a game where we gave up a touchdown, uh, a pick six, and a, a special teams touchdown in the same game. And the truth of the matter is Notre Dame didn't need either one of them because uh, you know, Drew Pine played a pretty good game. I mean, you look at the stats, and I guess, I don't know, 9, 17, 85 yards, I guess it wasn't as good as it looked in real time. But I, I just thought... Watching this game, um, Notre Dame, 263 rushing yards, 5.6 yards per rush against the number seven rushing defense in the country. Right. And I'm thinking, why would you so much as even attempt to pass the rest of the game unless Michael Mayer is wide open in the end zone? Like it's – She almost like, was. He, 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 but she almost was. But, I mean, I, I just – there have been games like this from Notre Dame that you might have seen coming. Stanford 2018 comes to mind, and that wasn't a particularly great Stanford team. They were like 3 or 4-0 and, oh and just right. happened to be ranked 10th at the time. I think 2017 USC comes to mind because that was a USC team that won the Pac-12. It was a good USC team. And that team, was a right? name-your-score affair, <clears throat> mm-hmm. as was this one for the most part toward the end there. And I think if there's a parallel, it's that one because um, – that was a good USC team, right? They went 11-2. They win the Pac-12. They go to whatever bowl, big bowl game they go to. This is the Clemson team that – it's hard to say they're not going to lose another game after watching what we just saw happen, but yet they're probably going to still win the ACC this year. And it doesn't just put Clemson under the microscope. I think it puts the entire conference under the microscope because it's like, really? This is the best you got <laughs> off a of bye week? Like, are you kidding me? Well, yeah, especially after Notre Dame has already beaten – the coastal division. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. North, that, yeah. North Carolina at North Carolina, and that was kind of a butt kicking too. It's just at the time it wasn't like this, where you know Clemson was not functional offensively for the most part uh, tonight. And yeah, that was you know I think we talked about this in our podcast. Like you looked at Notre Dame against top ten opponents the last eight times they'd hit two hundred yards once. It was Clemson two years ago. They hit 100 yards once. It was Cincinnati and a loss. The, all, all the others were under 100. Three of them were under 50. Um, so to sort of bank on 47 carries, 263 yards. Two, a, a, two different 100-yard rushers. Especially on a night where the opposition knows you are right. probably deathly scared to throw it. Um, like at least with the Clemson performance two years ago, Ian Book threw for 300 yards. Drew Pine threw for 85 he was, and he was the best of three quarterbacks yeah, to play tonight, by nine, far. Nine, yeah, not even close. Nine of 17 for 85 yards, two very gutsy runs. Um, did not really, if unless I'm blanking on something, didn't even flirt with a big mistake. Like he had a couple batted balls that happens. Couple, yeah. um, you know, missed Mayer in the third right. quarter. I think that's the third, yeah. Yeah, coming uh, to the left of where we're sitting. Um, you know, there are. You know, there were a couple uh, misfires along the way in the past game, which is how you end up with 85 yards. But well, Lorenzo Styles doesn't help. Yeah, right. But it was, drop, but. it was a smart 
it was a smart game plan in terms of they moved him around a little bit, right. a little bit more. Um, and I think one thing that stood out to me is like when they were running zone read, Pine really never keeps it. Um, he had kept it, mm-hmm. I think, twice in the last four games, and he kept it twice in this game. One was the touchdown in the first half, uh, and then he kept another one. Right, I think right for the coming, touchdown, right? coming right. Um, that was down by the goal line as well. And so he got the late hit by uh, right. Yeah, it was Venables when, kid to remind Clemson of what they used to be. Um. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it was. It was just it was a very smart game plan and how Notre Dame did it, and it I thought it showed a real discipline for the coaching staff to lean into that because maybe the the fake or the not the fake punt the block punt touchdown really turns down the temperature and the stress of sure. if you're a coach and like how do I manage this when do we have to go for it when can we be conservative how much can we pound the ball um, but I get you know for. For a night where Notre Dame had, you know, I'm air quoting, only 348 yards, um, and they averaged 5.5 yards per play, which is fine. I mean, it's not great, but I thought it was a, a really whip smart game plan um, in all three phases. Um, and I guess you, if you want to throw head coach and motivation and sort of mental uh, focus into that as like a fourth phase, I'd, I'd be all for it. Um, you know, is Notre Dame this year has played up to its opponent. Um, and this was the best opponent they played here at Notre Dame Stadium, not the best opponent overall. But they played their best against the best teams. Um, and they needed – they man, they they look great tonight um, in all three phases. It's funny you mention that because I hustled over here from uh, Evanston this morning where I thought, oh, Two top four teams within a two-hour radius. Let me try to see both of them today. And Ohio State toys around for three and a half quarters. I planned on leaving that game at halftime. I ended up staying the whole way because it ended up going down to the end. Uh, two Ohio State games I've been in attendance for. They scored 21 points exactly in both of them, which are by far their two worst games. Uh, and then I get to here, and at halftime of this game, I'm thinking, how the hell is Clemson even going to score like the rest of the like, It was 14. Like They finished with 14 points. Again, 35-14 does not tell the story here. These were garbage-time touchdowns by the Tigers. Um, it was window, 28 nothing. That's what you right, need to know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much what it was. And you, it was 14 on the halftime, thanks to that block kick. Notre Dame had not – I mean, they played much better than Clemson, but I I didn't see a path back for Clemson at 14-0. That's how dire it looked for them offensively. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, if they just didn't give up that punt, maybe we're, we're, we're looking at a tense, tight second half here. And then Clemson comes out in the second half, and Pete – they crossed midfield on their second drive of the game, and they didn't do it again until the fourth quarter. And they threw a pick. And they only did it that time because of multiple pass, back-to-back passenger yep. penalties. And then they threw a pick six right after that. They played quarterback roulette. I mean, they put Cape Klubnik in, who threw uh, – no, not pick six. We threw a pick to Morrison. He had two tonight. And they put DJ right back in. I mean, it, 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 it was just thorough domination in all three phases by Notre Dame today. Um, again, I thought Ohio State would be – the most underwhelming top four team I saw in person today. Um, <laughs> no, no, they weren't. Um, yeah. Clemson was by far. Um, a lot, a lot of shakeups coming to this week's uh, college football playoff picture. That's for sure. But it, it was. Um, there were a lot of things I could have seen happening tonight for Notre Dame, both good and bad. I did not have like this performance on all three phases and this dominate dominance happening like i just i just did not see this coming we have to give a special mention to 
Benjamin Morrison, who was just like, yes, freaking outstanding. Um, you know, he got he, and he even referenced a post game about like the Syracuse game and like trying to stay off social media and like, but he knows like where he was and where he needed to be and where he wasn't. Um, you know, he was. You know, it's like, how often do we talk about Notre Dame and skill position players and say, like, well, Notre Dame has to win in the trenches because they're not where they need right. to be at the skill positions. I mean, Notre Dame had a better corner than any of Clemson's receivers, which you would, ne- you would right. never have said Joseph in any of the games they played. Where were you tonight? Like, yeah, you would never say that in any of the other games uh, between these two teams – um, you know, look, I get it. Julian Love, who was here, was great. Uh, Troy Pye, really good player, but neither of them had a pick six against Clemson uh, and another pick, and just were locked down corners as a as a freshman. Um, just a very impressive performance. It was um, God. What was was that? I'm trying to think of when we were told. I think it was in Ohio State, right? When somebody what? somebody on the staff said, "Like this is the best corner oh, we've yeah. signed that's in the a, last ten a, years." Yeah, that's Ohio State. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, you see it. Um, I mean, we've seen flashes of it. Um, and, then you, uh, and then last week, it's like, oh, did you hit a freshman ball? Nope, not really. Um, just flew over it. So, yeah, seven tackles, two picks, another breakup. Um, you know, from where this defense was with turnovers right. uh, to have two picks plus a block punt plus a stop on downs four sacks seven tackles for all state like dj just was seeing ghosts out there no I mean, it was- yeah they did they did a great job making him look bad when he was already coming in to look bad because he was not a confident player i mean and it's like i think their second possession was the one that ended with a turnover on downs he had a fourth and four right. he takes this deep shot into double coverage right. it's like I just there was so much of the game. I was like, "What is Clemson trying to do?" Like, I I know what Notre Dame is and what they're right. trying to do. I have absolutely no idea who Clemson is as a football team this year. Um, no, it's just, just they, like, they had everything to prove tonight. Yeah, and I, I what do you, I, they laid an egg, but like they just didn't even look like on the same playing field as Notre Dame from a physicality standpoint. And no. again, this was a top ten rushing defense. Like this is this is. Um, it was like Penn State losing to Michigan yeah. the way they did at a couple full, of weeks ago. Like, oh, yeah. we got to look at everything we're doing now. And at full strength, it's not like right. two years ago when Tyler Davis didn't play. Uh, and there was Trevor so, Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think they may have been down a linebacker as well in that game. Mike like, Jones, I think, was yeah. that game. Um, so, the, I mean, they were shorthanded defensively in the front seven. They they weren't tonight. I mean, no. uh, I guess they were without, what, Xavier Thomas? Uh, but, yeah, Dabo said he got hurt Wednesday practice. Okay. He has no idea what that's next But year, that's but. not... That's no excuse right. for what happened. I mean that that did not set the table for this like this dominant rushing performance. Um, you know, Dig seventeen for one fourteen, estimate eighteen for one hundred four. I mean, Tyree just seven for twenty six, but like did good things. He had two catches for twenty six yards, um, fourteen yarder. I think it was in the first half that sort of kept Notre Dame moving. Like and it just like every every move Notre Dame tried to make came up like. Mm-hmm. They hit it because there was a possession where they took the ball over at the five yard line. It wasn't a great drive, but it got to midfield, and then they had a really good punt, and that that got Clemson down to the five yard line, which I think might have been when Klubnik came in the game and threw a pick. Um, they, they were I, down there a lot. Yeah, yeah they were down at their own. I just absolutely freaking yeah, they dominated. destroyed them that way. Um, but it was just like it was similar to Syracuse and the fact that like all the parts seemed to be working together, but it was different in terms of one, the opponent was way better. And two, the passing game was never relied on, but it was effective when it needed to be. Um, 
where at Syracuse, I, I think you would have a hard time making that argument. So it was like, this was everyone pulling in the same direction as good as Notre Dame has played in a long, long time. It's the most lopsided win over a top five team since 95 against USC. Um, you know, and this will, this is like this kind of moment, this atmosphere, the stakes, the uncertainty, the, you know, the, the Freeman narrative, like you don't get a whole lot of nights like this. Um, anywhere in college football. So Notre Dame, Notre Dame really got to enjoy this one because they got a lot done. Yeah, it, it was, um, you know, just three catches by the wide receivers, all three to Jane Thomas for, for 15 yards, and yet it didn't matter. Dabo really praised the receivers blocking because Notre Dame got outside the box a lot tonight and was able to run um, to the perimeter. Mm-hmm. But they also ran it right up the middle. I mean, they, they, they really did whatever they want on the ground of this game. I mean, I don't want to – overstate matters for Notre Dame because we're still talking about a three-loss football team. It's not like, oh, look, they're ready to, to win it all. But I, I will say, like, to your point about Benjamin Morrison and, and just this game in general, I would say more Clemson's come down. But, like, we've come a long way from four years ago where can Notre Dame hang with Clemson? We'll find out. Oh, Julian Love got hurt. The game's over. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not – uh, any one could have been down for any one individual could have been down for Notre Dame tonight, and it wouldn't matter because they were just they were just so much better in all three phases. They're so much stronger and bigger and, and, and more physical at the point of attack, and, and, and you just don't. I didn't see that coming. I mean, Clemson's kind of built their program as, as much as they've had great quarterbacks and receivers. Um, you know, they've they've been a D line factory, and they still. I mean, they're still going to have probably multiple first round draft picks yeah. on this D line that just didn't stand a chance tonight. Against Jared Patterson and Notre Dame's offensive line, it, it was eye-opening. Um, I thought it was telling, and, and again, the situations aren't not exactly comparable. But you know, Dad was like talking about bouncing back. He's like, you know, look look at that team that just beat us. Like they started zero and two this year. Like would have been really easy for them to, to throw in the towel, especially the first year coach. But Freeman, credit to him. Like he he he, he said he bet him for the first time today, and he was really impressed. And um, it was um, yeah, it, it was something. I mean, the, the atmosphere. Was awesome, um, you know. Just to, to give everyone, the, I'm sure everyone who is listening, who is in the building tonight, has their own personal story and memory from the field storm, or maybe they don't, uh, depending on how long they were tailgating. But um, definitely, there were a few that I saw that did will not remember this tomorrow. No. Uh, that's why there's social media videos, yeah. right? Um, thank God that wasn't around when we were in college. Um, we're standing uh, in the end zone, final five minutes, and. The ushers here, depending on who you deal with, can can be very friendly and they can be, you know, want to be military sergeants. Yeah. And uh, the one standing right behind me is talking to the fans in the front row, essentially saying, like, he already gave in. He's like, oh, yeah, we're Notre Dame. Let's not like have fun. Look out for your brother and sister out there. Please don't go to the opposing sideline. And he walked away and they're all like, okay, we're doing this. We're doing this. And it wasn't just like I thought it'd just be the student section. It wasn't. It was the whole stadium, no. which, you know. I saw one or two people probably above the age of 50 who were down on the ground with leg injuries and frankly had no business trying to jump onto the field amid that mosh pit. But it was like I see Jack Swarbrick basically ushering Clemson up the tunnel and keeping the fans away, the Notre Dame fans away from them. I see Father John just kind of standing there like like it's any old afternoon, which I also thought was funny for uh, a priest and a man of his age to not be phased by, by all of that. Uh, I stood... Uh, I was at Michigan, Michigan State last week. Um, unless you've lived under a rock, you know, some crazy stuff happened at the end of that game. Um, so I uh, I had my phone ready 
case I need to be subpoenaed um, for this one, because just which is what happen, is happening right now, not with me, but with other reporters who were on scene last week in Ann Arbor. And I got to say, like, Clemson got out of there in an orderly fashion. There were a few people, you know, talking trash, as you would expect at a college football game, but, like, nothing, like, even remotely dangerous. No point that I think this, oh, no, the situation is going to get out of control. Now, when I got up to the tunnel, and it was crowded because that was the only exit path for most people, Someone says, look, they're taking down the goalposts. And you turn around, you see them shaking for a bit, and you're thinking, okay, this could get hairy here. Right. But immediately, like, that stopped. Um, I, I think there was even, like, I saw one guy try to jump on the goalpost by the tunnel, and, like, I think the majority of the crowd was like, no, 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 no. Right. Like, just, yeah, just, like, on, like we're having fun here. Yeah. Um, let's enjoy it. Let's not, like, make it out to be bigger, something bigger than it was. But it was as a uh, peaceful, I don't know what the adjective is, but, like, it, that was probably as safe. It was celebratory. It was celebratory, but like that was like you see some of these fields yeah. and you're like, oh shoot, like you know, yeah. like the Alabama player getting into it with a nobody Tennessee was fan nobody's down there no, to like was, pick a fight. I mean, it was this, there was <laughs> there was a Notre Dame staffer over by the Clemson line as they were leaving the field that said, "Keep using those timeouts," which I thought was amazing and hilarious. That is funny. Um, so if that person is listening to the show. You, you made my night when you did that. <laughs> I, I did not see that, but I wish I did because that sounds pretty funny. It was so good. I was like, did he? Oh, yeah, he said that. That's what he said. Um, yeah, it was just it was a very cool scene down there. You see, like, the players get swept up in it. And, like, you know, Notre Dame, like some other schools, they sort of advertise about, like, the, the bond between the fans and the student body and all that stuff. And, like, it was cool to see that tonight because, like, I mean, I've thought about this at halftime. I was like, okay, so what are the, the home games that we've watched? We've seen Cal, we've seen Marshall, we've seen Stanford, we've seen UNLV. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they got booed off at halftime in three of those four. Um, and so to have, like, this kind of moment where, I mean, it it was like, it was the game version of how people felt about Marcus Freeman when he got hired. Like, if you took the vibe. It was a locker room scene with yeah, 80,000 right. instead of 100, yeah. It was like, if you took the vibe in that locker room, you took the vibe around campus and turned it into a football game with a box score and everything, um, that was tonight. And I don't know if you were down there. I sort of just hung out in the tunnel waiting for Marcus to come out because I just want to see I, what I that was like. I did not see him, no. It was wild because it was, I mean, he comes out. People are losing their stuff. Like it's there, you know, everyone's filming it. I got a video of it. Like they're chanting his name. Um, you know, we joked about him when he was leaving the press conference, if he was going to try to like body surf, like over the top <laughs> of the tunnel. Um, but they are chanting Freeman, Freeman, Freeman. It was just like that. That's sort of the connection that Notre Dame has not really had with the head coach in a very long time. What's up, Pete? It was, yeah. <laughs> LSU seems to enjoy him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, it was something that's been missing around here. It's something that they have now. But like, as Marcus has said to me and you and a bunch of other people, like, freaking, you got to win some games at some right. point. Um, and they they won a pretty damn big game tonight. So it's like that. There was like a, a return on the emotional investment in Marcus Freeman tonight, um, and that is a that's a big big deal for the program moving forward. I'm not trying to go negative with this, but you see what they did tonight. And there, no matter how many times we all go over it, like there will and never be see, an excuse for losing Stanford, to Marshall or Stanford. Stan, you see Stanford down 42 to 7 at halftime at home to Washington State. And you're like, Ugh. how? Like, how is that like possible? Marshall, like, even with a not great, even if Notre Dame's roster was significantly less yeah. than what it is right now, 
you could still have a hard time explaining to me how they have three losses. And it makes even less sense when you see nights like tonight. Right. Again, like... Well, I mean, that's you get back to the, the Utah game in 2010, though. All right. They but they but, lost to Navy and Tulsa. They got blown out by Navy and lost I, to I Tulsa I get that, here. but like... The they, conversation around Notre Dame football in 2010 was, will they ever be good again? Right. Now it's they're going to win a national championship because they definitely, got a coach of recruits. Like, definitely a different preseason vibe around Notre Dame and expectations. But I just say, like, that team finished with beating a top 10? Top, no, not top 10. Top 20 team in Utah. Snapped the USC um, streak, right? Snapped the USC streak, which was huge. I mean, people forget that Notre Dame was losing to USC right. for the better part of a decade. Um, you know, they had the two, they had two other sort of inconsequential wins. And then they go out and Army, they, right? In Navy yeah, Stadium? Yeah. And they smoke um, Miami, and the, Miami and the Sun Bowl. So it just like, it was like, oh, this is a foundation. And like, it's, I guess it's worth remembering the next year. It didn't like necessarily kick on right away because that was South Florida. But you were, you could at least look back when things got shaky again and be like, all right, well, 2010, they, they proved something in November. Um, so they kept doing that. I think tonight they will, there will be rocky times moving forward, but that to have a foundation like tonight that is enduring and stays with you through the rest of this year, through next year, through the year beyond that, um, I think is very, very significant for Marcus Freeman, for recruiting, for the roster. I mean, if you're like Peyton Bowen, their five-star safety command who's here tonight. He's I think Charles Jaguso is down there. Too. Yeah, and you're looking at Oregon and A&M and Oklahoma. Um, you got to see something from Notre Dame on the field, not just the four for 40 type stuff off of it. Um, right. And so to have this advertisement out there, like this is – tonight was a recruiting brochure for Notre Dame football as well, and that is – that's really significant because it's like – the bad losses rarely hurt your recruiting in the moment, but I do think big wins like this and the vibe that they create do kick things on moving forward um, and sort of you get people who want to play here to play in these kinds of things. Yeah, it's about the perfect night. I mean, I can't wait. Again, we're talking to you like right coming up from interviews. Like, I can't wait to see all the locker room videos and social media videos and all the other fun stuff that, that comes out you know in the coming days from this night because it's, it's one of those memories especially if you're a student here right now you're always going to take with you and I, again i'm glad they got it um because 2020 was about as awesome as could be in that circumstance but still wasn't a great circumstance <laughs> for anyone in the world at that time so um it was cool it, it was again i did not see this coming at least in this fashion i i, I, I thought you know maybe they could win um, did not think they you were more optimistic than me. I mean, on the podcast, I give you a little. I mean, I think we both picked Clemson to win, but I got to give you a little more credit because uh, you were like, I, I can't give myself too much yeah. credit. I did not see that. <laughs> I appreciate it, but no, I'm, I'm not. It was definitely. I mean, it was look. It was definitely a. I thought Notre Dame had to score a non-offensive touchdown to win. They scored two. They sort of scored. But they didn't need them. They, they the scored a sort three uh, with a Morrison right. pick of Klubnik. Um, they they needed all three um, if, if, you, <laughs> yeah, if, you, yeah. if you total them up because yeah. they won by twenty one. But um, I you know the punt block is not it's not a fluke anymore. No, um, nor nor would I say them running over people the rest of the season is going to be a fluke. Like when they go to USC, uh, who does not play good defense, no, they should run for three hundred yards in that game. Um, you know the way that they're peaking offensively, that's a matchup for that Notre Dame can take advantage of and find some success. And like 
Now the secondary feels good about the way that it's playing. Um, you know, it's not, I think mean, we can put our own 24 hour rule on today and not think about like, well, what does this mean? Are they going to finish nine and three? But if you're Notre Dame, you feel good about who you are and where you're going the rest of the season. Um, and damn, like the idea that they even have a chance to be nine and three, they like, they will have a chance to be nine and three going to a, right. USC at the end of the year. The fact that that's even a possibility where things were with Stanford yeah. um, or where things were with Marshall, you'd be like that, that would be hard, very hard to get your head around. Uh, I know it is for me when I think back at like what it felt like to be down on that field at the end of the Marshall game, what it felt like to be down on the field at the end of the Stanford game. Um, now that they're in a position to at least have a chance to win nine games and heck, like let's get, let's get carried away. Let's, let's talk about like keeping the, the 10 game win streak alive for Clemson. did for, la- So Clemson did yeah, last year after for, a one and whatever start for, for another season. Um, 14 yeah. game winning streak, by the way, Clemson, I think that was the longest active streak in the nation that Notre Dame snaps today. Oh, wow. Okay. I think it was longest. I know it was up there. You know, so, so yeah, 20, now it's what 27 game win streak <laughs> against the ACC in regular uh, season. I think, um, somebody had, uh, Tom, a listener of the show, uh, had sent me something that Notre Dame sort of record in November is like the best in the country over the last few years. Like I would absolutely believe they, that, yeah. they have really kicked on and like this, you know, for how much Marcus Freeman has talked about, like you can't just build on what Brian Kelly did. Notre Dame playing better at the end of the year is something that Brian Kelly got done here and. You know, based on one night in November is something that Marcus Freeman may be continuing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Just to go back to an earlier point about um, pump block being normal now and this, like, Dabble got asked about that. It was like, we didn't block a guy, plain simple. And Wes Goodwin got asked, like, I think I asked Wes Goodwin, what do they do differently that you didn't see on film with, with the running tag? He's like, nothing. Like, it was, again, point blank, ass kicking. That's not fluky. That's something you can build on. You can, like, at eight and three, Notre Dame will be ranked. In, oh, going yeah. into the last game of the season, I could that see a, be, I could six and three Notre Dame will be ranked. Um, on I mean, some, I, no, oh, I, this I, week, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think they, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. But uh, especially, you know, you've got a win over after this. What was a top four team? Yeah, this, this, uh, Brett uh, McMurphy has said Notre Dame's sixteen now seventeen game winning streak is the longest in the country in November. Gotcha. November winning streak. Gotcha. Um, but I mean, the idea of a ranked Notre Dame USC game. Very fun. Love it. Especially in the last game of the year. Those are rare. Uh, the idea of playing spoiler, which we'll see. They've, USC is UCLA the week before. But, I mean, uh, you, Caleb could be playing for the Heisman because especially after today with Hooker and Stroud, that thing's wide open. Yeah. And uh, USC is looking at I, I think that's still a very flawed roster. But, again, like they're right in the thick of things. And they've got UC, a really good UCLA team in Notre Dame close, plus possibly a one-loss Oregon Impact all championship a week later. So that's a very critical stretch for USC. It's now a critical stretch for Notre Dame because, again, we're talking about ending on an extremely high note, which, again, we can like, we can picture that happening now in a way we couldn't three hours ago. Um, right. And it's going to be, it's a rivalry game. It's going to be fun. Two first year coaches. Um, you know, that doesn't happen a whole lot either. Uh, maybe 2010 with Kip, was Kevin's first year there. When he, Brian Kelly's first year, I don't. Yeah, it was right. Yeah, because he because Carroll is 09. Uh, yeah. Carroll Weiss for 09. Yeah. So you don't get that all the time. Uh, that's going to be exciting. And yeah, I mean, I, I you know that game just takes on a completely different meaning for me yeah. and for everyone. And you'll be there. Yeah. Like, like well, of course, tickets are booked. LA. Tickets yeah. are booked. 
Red dinner reservations yeah. are booked Friday night, right? Those have been made for a while. We're, oh, uh, you're going to ditch me for the World Cup that day, aren't you? Uh, in the morning only. Oh, is that uh, when they play? Yeah, okay. so, but we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll gather for dinner that night uh, in Manhattan Beach. So. I'll be watching like what, Iowa, Nebraska, whatever great Friday football <laughs> games going on. American football. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, uh, unless you have anything else on tonight's uh, madness and like, I mean, this is kind of one of those. If you're if you're a student here, you're on the field, you remember this for a very very. Long. All right, I, I do have a question, and I, I, this is again heat of the moment. We can look this up on our own. With the ACC being as bad as it is, and with Notre Dame doing what they did to probably the two teams that will play in the ACC championship, um, is there a path for a nine three Notre Dame to a New Year sixteen? New Year sixteen. Um, so that is never. It's never happened. Um, as far as I can tell, I remember researching this a couple of years ago. The ACC, because the ACC it, needs a playoff yeah, team, and it, then they need I, someone to go to the Orange Bowl, I and I don't think, think they're going to play a playoff team this year. You know, now I have to go back and look because I, I think the assumption was that the ACC would have somebody in the Orange Bowl, and they would have somebody in the playoff. That's obviously not going to happen. Right. Um, they're not going to have a playoff team unless stuff gets real weird from here, which it might. Um, but that, yeah, now is a good time to go back and look that because it's. There, there's the second tier of ACC bowl games, which is Gator. Um, there were cheese at bowls, Rhett's here tonight, who might be getting Clemson ho- for the second yes. year in a row. I don't think they thought that coming into no. here. But. Yeah, so cheese it, Holiday, Gator. Gator was here, um, yeah. Those Notre Dame overwhelmingly likely will be in one of those bowls, whether they go nine and three or eight and four, or, or maybe even seven and five. But um, that's, that's probably where they're headed. You would have to get a decent amount of chaos for a nine and three to end up in the New Year's six, but this has been a pretty crazy season. So maybe it'll be no name LSU in the New Year's six and not in like the Belk Bowl or Mayo Bowl that you've uh, tried to draw up a couple weeks ago. Yes, yeah, I think. Well, Notre Dame is at least elevated beyond Iowa in whatever crap bowl uh, they were. Do you see Iowa in. today? <laughs> Twenty-four <laughs> points, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely did not see Iowa today. They Matt. beat uh, the crap out of Purdue, and I think yeah. they might actually have a chance to win the division now. So, crazy, you know? Notre Dame's bowl outlook looking a lot better. Went from like, well, they're definitely going to a bowl to like, well, maybe it'll be a good one. So, uh, with where the program is right now with Marcus Freeman, definitely on an upward trend. Uh, and I think they have put a foundation in place that Marcus Freeman has been, man, trying like hell to build all year to the point that, I mean, he even sort of insinuated sometimes he had to like fake his own confidence to be in front of the team because he's just like, what's happening? This isn't how I thought it would go at all. Stab but, Sweeney's job now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So here we are after Notre Dame 35, Clemson 14. The Irish moved to 6-3 and three on the season with uh, as good a signature win as they've had in a long, long time. Um, I'll, let, I'll leave Notre Dame fans to sort of debate whether this is bigger than Oklahoma in 12. Bigger than Clemson in two years ago. It's unique for its own reasons. I, would I don't just, want to compare it to. I would just say enjoy this one. Yes. Um, you will remember for a very long time. I'll remember for a very long time because you just don't have nights like this in college football very often. So you should savor them. So until our next podcast next week, he's Matt. I'm Pete at Top Notre Dame Stadium after Notre Dame 35, Thumbs in 14. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of The Shamrock.